Awesome. Uh, Nick, I'm going to talk about Nick here shortly, but uh, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. My name is Josh Frazier. I'm the Azora campus pastor, uh, fellow resident ginger on staff. I know I say that a lot, but uh, some people even don't even know my name and they just call me Red, so and that's okay. Uh, but um, Listen, I want to say welcome to those here at the Azora campus. Glad you guys are here. Uh, those are watching on our Walton campus and our Oconee campus and those watching online. I pray that no matter what you are, wherever you are, just engage, lean in today um, and uh, interact. Um, and uh, some of us here at the Azora campus, we have glow sticks and uh, you guys look cute. I mean, you guys look great. Uh, so, uh, man, I'm glad we can celebrate today. So, uh, I'm excited for a couple of reasons, a couple of reasons. The first one is I'm getting the fill-in for Jonathan, our, our lead pastor. For those of you who are new, I uh, started the church 16 years ago, Jennifer and Jonathan. So I'm excited about the 16th year anniversary of the church, yes. Um, and like floored, I saw Jonathan earlier floored that like he asked me to speak on the 16th anniversary. He said it was actually yesterday, so... Anyway, sorry, semantics. But I, I don't get a chance to say this in front of a lot of people all the time, but I didn't want the moment to pass without me saying how much I love Jennifer and Jonathan. Uh, Jennifer's in the room, and um, I just um, appreciate you. Who knew 16 years ago, uh, because of your faithfulness, because of you just trying to make much of Jesus, the impact you have made, and you've made an impact to me and my family, uh, Jennifer. Love you and love you, Jennifer, Jonathan. So if you see Jennifer around, just give her a hug. Um, she loves them, or she may steal one. But also, um, we are starting a brand new series called, it was mentioned earlier, Illuminate. And so we have some glow sticks. We have a candlelight, uh, uh, tea light candles we're about to be talking about later in the service. But um, we wanted to talk about this idea of being the light of the world. So I think you and I can both agree there's a crisis in this world. People need more light. People need more life in their lives. It seems like people are just kind of plateauing. There's a hope depletion, it seems like. It seems like people are, there's a drastic decrease in people's joy. Like when you, when you ask people what's going on, it's like, um, okay, you know, there's, there's, there's some of that, you know. It's not like, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm breathing. God's been good. It's not, usually you don't hear answers like that. But in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of, I mean, if you watch the news anytime, especially this election year, I mean, there's just a lot of chaos. But in the midst of that, there is hope, joy, peace, and life that this world cannot give or take away. The light of Christ does and is uh, so radiantly shown in this dark world. And so during the series, we will be looking at a series of of stories that Jesus shares on shedding light on the kingdom of God. So that's what this series is all about, illuminating, uh, looking at different parables and stories that Jesus shares, talking about God's kingdom. Because in this world, we, we see this world. We see what we see, this physical plane, but there is a spiritual world we're going to talk about today. So before we actually go into the text, I wanted to share a story. I wanted to share a, a, a prayer uh, request uh, with you. Some of you guys may know this, some of you guys may not, but we have a family in our church, the Azor campus here, uh, Clancy Arendt and um, the Arendt family. They, uh, Chris and I had a chance to go uh, to Augusta on Friday and go uh, visit them and their family. Long story short, their youngest son, his name's Isaiah, and uh, he was traveling from college and 
got in a car accident, hit, hit head on a tree and a vehicle uh, burst into flames. He was able to get out and burned about 70, 75% of his body. He's in the hospital now. And uh, man, uh, God is good in the middle of the storm. God is, God is good in the middle of the battle, but he's alive, thank God. That's what they're clinging on to. There's a lot, there's a lot more that he has to do, Isaiah does, uh, but the family's very hopeful. So I say all of that to say to you, Clancy, if you're watching, Isaiah, we love you and your family, Nikki, um, but also for you guys as a church family to be praying for them. And it actually ties in with today's message very well. So today's passage is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. It'll be on the screen. Also, if you have talk notes, you, could, you should have walked in, got some talk notes. Also, we have an app. If you don't know, you can actually download our app, have the talk notes on our app, make notes on the app, and you can keep them there right in your pocket. So that's, that's something you guys can do very easily. But many versions title these verses the, the parable of the rich fool. Um, not, not a lot of pastors talk about it because it's a gut punch uh, verse. It's not like, welcome to church, God loves you. You know, it's not, it's not the, the, these verses are just some gut punch uh, verses. And so uh, he, Jesus, when he speaks to kind of set some, set some uh, context and setting to the passage we're about to, lead, we're about to read, Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke, to, he spoke in this way to get people's attention, to get the audience's attention, to kind of get them sitting on the edge of their seats, like just, okay, what, what is he saying? And he did that to be able to share a truth within a truth. So he's, he's like getting people to kind of think outside of the box. And we see this in this passage. But forewarning, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to talk about some things that are all of us have in common, all of us. We're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about sin, we're going to talk about greed, we're going to talk about selfishness, and we're going to talk about death. So Welcome to the 16th anniversary of Greystone Church. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, without further ado, let me pray for us. Uh, let, me, let me go ahead. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to actually read the word. Here we go. So uh, verse 13 of chapter 12 in Luke. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. So Jesus is kind of like, I don't want to get in the middle of this. He's pretty wise. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from, the, from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21, the last verse, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. There's clear indication that this man who, who asked Jesus this question, that he was not really lis listening to the totality of Jesus' message at that time. Like he was just asking a, a very material, very selfish question, in fact, because he wanted the money. He didn't, want, he didn't want his family to get the inheritance. He wanted Jesus to be on his side and be like, yeah, Jesus is on my side. He's, you know, let's go to town. But, and so he, 
he was asking from a very law, very materialistic, selfish mentality. And he was also thinking from a, from a chapter 21, Deuteronomy talks about this, talks about what it looks like specifically to the, for the firstborn son, how inheritance should be divided between family members. And so, and then also people would go at that time to rabbis for dilemmas, for situations, for issues. And Jesus was a rabbi. So this guy went to Jesus, was asking him the question. And Jesus, like I said earlier, he's very wise. He's like, I'm going to take your question and I'm going to give us a little spin with it. I'm going to take it and I'm going I'm to raise you a little bit is what Jesus does. And he's so good at flipping everything upside down. He's so good at doing that, taking what we think we need to answer for, and he changes it. This man wanted a, a quick fix, a quick answer, a quick response, an easy answer. And he, Jesus completely takes him from his expectations and do, does away with all those, the, all of what he, what, he was, what he was expecting. He wanted a quick fix. Jesus gave him an eternal perspective. He flipped it over. Uh, this man in the parable had the right idea. So there's nothing wrong with having the surplus, right? I'm not saying up here to have, if you have a lot, ugh, you know, that's not, the, that's not the issue. The surplus is great. God gave him an abundance of surplus. So he was like having a dilemma. What should I do? The issue is that he totally missed out on God. He missed out on the giver of his surplus. Instead, he was focusing on his surplus of grain. And so he missed out on heaven while he was focused on the here and now. And so for us, we do that all the time. I would like to do a, do a little illustration for you guys, and it might kind of be morbid. But um, think about the day, the moment, the hour, the time. None of us know these things, but think about that moment when is, there, is your last day. The day you're going to pass from this world and you're going to go to the next, right? It's an exercise. Think about it. And then think about that time to today. So I'm going to ask some rhetorical questions here to kind of get us thinking. Um, how was your life spent? How is your life looking now? Are you in, in, investing well in others and in yourself and your family? Is it something you can be proud of between now until when you pass? Are you investing your resources in God's kingdom? All of us have the same time, various talents, and different treasures. So you, are you and I, and I ask this question, using these to advance God's kingdom or your own? We live in a country, we live in a society where greed is ruler, right? You think, man, greed is good, greed is great. To get ahead, to have all these things is to be better somehow, right? You've got to have the latest and greatest. We see this every year when iPhone comes out, right? You're like, iPhone 12 just came out a couple weeks ago. You just, oh, got to get it. I mean, there's no question, duh, you know? Or whatever, it fill, fill in the blank, whatever it is. And we feel like there is, there is what we, we want. It's the, it's the ruler of this world. To have plenty in this world is to be better. And if you don't have enough, if you don't have anything, then you're considered less than somehow. But instead, flip it upside down. Instead, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, we ought to invest in others. We ought to invest in the church, invest in the gospel, invest in the fruit of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Things that will last eternally. The righteousness, those things we ought to invest our resources in so that we can have a surplus of those things rather than 
material gains. So you're either rich toward God or rich toward the world. So this is the first part. You might can find this on your talk notes. And, you, and as, I'm writing it, as you're writing it down, you're probably thinking, I've heard this before. Yes, this is Jesus' very words. He makes better points than Josh Frazier. This is it. A person's life does not consist of the abundance of the things they possess. A person's life does not consist of the abundance of the things they possess. We are led to believe that we are fulfilled because we don't have all things that we desire. If only we had all the things that we could grasp. If we set our mind to it, we live in a self-instant uh, gratification society. It's like, man, I want this, got it, boom, we're good. But that's not, that's not biblical. Psalms 37 verse 4 says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Keep that verse up there for a little bit. Take delight in the Lord. What happens when we take delight in the Lord our wants and desires change. Like they, 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 they shift. It's an amazing concept that when you think, okay, this is what I desire. Okay, I've got this in my mind. This is what I want. This is what we need. This is what is best. Well, when you spend time with God, when you pray to God, when you, think, when you pray for clarity, pray for discernment, pray for peace, those things tend to change. And you're like, man, that's not what God desires. As you spend time, God you give me the desires of my heart. And I, I begin to desire what God wants. I've heard people say, uh, and you've probably said it, I know I did in high school, um, uh, man, if I had a million dollars, I'd be set. Have y'all ever asked that question? No? Okay. I, I worked in student ministry. Middle schoolers used to ask this all, say this all the time. Man, if I had a million dollars, I'd be set. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. But I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Because guess what? If you had a million dollars... Let's just, let's just play with it. Let's just roll with it. If you had a million dollars, what would happen? You would want $2 million. Then after you had $2 million, you would want $3 million. The goal of the amount would change. So what's the point of contentment? How much is enough? And I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about just things. For him, this gentleman in the story, it's the surplus of grain. What is it for you? Um, my grandpa, actually, actually, let me tell you this, tell me this, tell you, share this for us with you before I share this story. Uh, my discipleship group that meets on Tuesday nights, we have a lot of groups happening right now, um, but I want to give a shout out to my discipleship group. Uh, we've actually been studying this verse, Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 through 21. It's pretty, pretty in-depth, a couple of verses. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our things and our heart are tied together. Our, our stuff, our, 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 our money, our, all these different things are tied into our heart. So we ought to be very careful where those things go because you're giving a little of yourself to that. So the goal is to, to allow those things, those things that we want to be steward, that they might that they may shift to godly things so that your heart goes toward godly things. Uh, my grandpa, I did something that probably some of you guys and your family members do. Uh, maybe it's some of you guys that do, but uh, he was, he was uh, 
uh, in the army. He was born in 1927, and he lived in an era where it was super important to store and save and didn't know what was going around, didn't know what was going to happen, right? So he would, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, he, he would like, hey, there's this. But he would take cash and store it in cabinets, and drawers, and like the garage, and like the car trunk, and you're like, like in the store, like he made a compartment in his, you know, just anyways, right? And so, and so he would store things in different places. How many of you guys have a family member like this? Maybe, okay, a couple of you guys, cool. Um, my my, my uh, great-grandfather, I guess my grandfather, uh, his dad would take 10 cups, 10 cans, and put cash in it and dig holes in the back, backyard and store it in there, right? And so, I mean, having a field day when he passed, they're like, man, we found, we struggle, you know, that kind of thing. But it was only like a dollar because everything costs like a dime. You could go see a movie for a dime back then. But it's totally different. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. So hear me, there is no judgment in order to have, right? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, for the first time, I'll be transparent, for the first time in my life, my family and I, have, we have life insurance. I know that if God forbid if I were to die tonight that my family, or my family and my kids are taken care of. That's not happened. And so I'm, I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with, with those things. It's okay to have a vehicle to travel, right? It's okay to have savings, a checking account, uh, uh, vacations. It's okay to have, like, plenty. But if that idea begins to control your mind and actions in an extreme or unhealthy way, then your heart is not on godly things but on things that moths and vermin can destroy. King Solomon had uh, a lot of wealth. Uh, he's considered the wisest man who had ever lived in the Old Testament and other than Jesus. And uh, he, was, he had a lot of wealth and a lot of wisdom. And he, he uh, it says a lot, some historians did some research on him. And uh, it said that he had silver nuggets in his possession. And they were as common as dirt rocks to him. Like for us, dirt rocks, we can go outside and find a rock. But for him, in all of his grandiose wealth, he had silver nuggets that were as common as dirt rocks. And yet, that didn't even satisfy King Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Going back two chapters before this, Solomon states, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. So King Solomon even knew that those things were meaningless. Stuff is meaningless if you don't have God. Okay, so here's an equation to help us understand what true and real riches is. This is your next point, I guess, in the top notes. And I'm no rocket science or brain surgeon, so I like my equations short. You're welcome. Here it is. Here's the first one. Contentment plus godliness equals true riches. Contentment plus godliness equals true riches. This is what the Bible speaks of. A person living a godly pleasing lifestyle, someone who is full of repentance, someone who is full of confession to God, saying, okay, I know I'm messed up. I need a Savior. I need to walk with him, talk with him, pray to him. There's, there's an there's a ongoing godly character in that person. Plus, 
but one who is content with all that God has provided for them or not provided for them, it goes both ways, is more rich than a millionaire, in my opinion. It's looking through a different lens. It's, it's looking through a God-designed lens instead of our own lens. The Apostle Paul said that in whatever state he found himself in, he was content. He writes uh, some verses in Philippians. That he, the whole book of Philippians was written in prison. Paul wrote this whole book, this whole letter uh, in prison while he was in prison. But yet he says these verses, For I have learned to be content, <laughs> whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. The hard truth is this. The hard truth is this. If we can have everything in this world that has offered, but if we do not have Jesus, we're poor with nothing. Jesus, having that relationship with Jesus gets you through anything and everything. Uh, We are more rich than we will ever be if we have Christ, period. All things belong to God, and if we belong to him, we have an inheritance is our possession. Everything is, if, if he owns it all, then our inheritance in Christ is everything. We have in Christ eternal life. We have, we have in Christ this hope. We have in Christ this joy. We have in Christ identity. He's paid the ultimate price for us, for you and me, by shedding his blood 2,000 years ago, died on a cross so that he could take a sin debt that you and I deserve to pay. He took it for us. His blood shed, his shed blood covered us. And so with that, everything I have is Christ's and everything I don't have is Christ's. So I praise God for the grace that he gives. I praise God for the hope that he gives. That If my mind does not align sometimes to think about God's kingdom and think about eternal perspective, that there is grace, there is hope in that. Oftentimes, uh, the things that we want so badly that are not of God can ultimately lead to our destruction. Uh, You you name it, uh, more and more money, right? What happens, people who want more and more money, they they get multiple jobs, they forsake their family, more and more and more and more and more. Or more and more and more alcohol. It's never enough. More and more and more alcohol. It's become destructive, and then it becomes to death. Drugs, we see that. And with Nick Roberts' story, before I got up here on the bumper video, uh, Nick Roberts, he, he sought after pot, and that's what he wanted. And, he's, and he hid it for 26 years. All of us are really good at hiding things, all of us. But oftentimes what happens is it just becomes destructive. So all of us, we can say, this is all figurative, we can say in our heart and in our lives, you only live once, so live it up. It's great. Let's live it up. It's fine. Or uh, follow your heart. Just do whatever pleases you. Do it. It's great. You do you. I do me. You know, you've probably heard that before. It's okay. No big deal. But, or we can pursue any other sin uh, that will slowly deteriorate the soul until it is completely quenched. Sin is a slippery slope. And we are habitual people. Addictions start so small. They overwhelm us and they overtake us, and then it becomes, like I said, destructive, and then ultimate scripture tells us sin leads to death. So you may say, I have nothing to give to God for his glory. You may say, I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know how to, I don't know how to give. The only three words I have for you is, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Uh, you work that out with God. Honestly, I think the biggest thing that God wants, God, God wants this more than anything, is he just wants you. He just wants you. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to focus on the surplus of grain like this parable says. He wants us to focus on him and give him the glory. That at the end of our days, that God can say, I don't want to hear God say, you fool, like he does for this guy. He's like, you had your perspective right. You were focused on me the whole time. And great is your reward. How rich are you toward eternal things? This is where true riches are. I want to share this. Uh, I've had a chance to go to Nicaragua a couple of times. Um, uh, we here at uh, Greystone, we have a partnership with Compassion in Honduras. But uh, I had, before I came to Greystone, I had an opportunity to go to Nicaragua for a couple of moments, a couple of times. And specifically, Managua. There's this landfill that's in the city capital of Managua, uh, or Nicaragua there in Managua. And there's a village of people. It's like a town. They live in the landfill there. They are some of the most rich people I know. And you're like, they're in a landfill. Yes, they're in a landfill. They live in a landfill. They're some of the most joyful people I have ever met. They're content with what they have and don't have. Obviously, they would want more, right? But they're content. And then a lot of them that we met, we, we went to go minister to them and encourage them and go feed them. They love Jesus. They love Jesus. They've, they've mastered the idea to be content, to be godly, is to have true riches. It's amazing that even though we think, man, don't have enough, we have so much in Christ. There are often two camps of people. Now, I, I know there's varying uh, parts of this, uh, uh, these two camps, but there's often two camps of people. There are people who have been so rich in the, the worldly lifestyle, right? They've been so rich, but they're walking around and they're spiritual zombies, they're not living in the full abundance of Christ. They have everything, but yet they don't have everything. And then the other camp is people living for Jesus, right? They're living for Christ, but they, they, they're, they're poor in the material things. But yet they're spiritual billionaires. And throughout all of eternity, the riches they have stored up. Um, as I was studying this, I was, I was trying to think, I was like, man, how can I talk about something that's really applicable? Because I'm not rich, obviously. Uh, but uh, like, how can I give something? So, but I wanted to give you an equation here. I wanted to give you something else. So if you want to be rich really quick, right? If you want to be rich really quick, here's the trick. If you've been investing in the right things during your life, investing in the things that matter in God's kingdom, when you die in this life and enter into his presence, what a wealth you will find. A wealth that you can't lose. Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection guarantees that wealth. There's a, it's, a, it's a guarantee. There's nothing that you can do or say, but Christ died for that guarantee in order for you to have all the inheritance that is Christ. You see, heaven is not the reward. Jesus is the reward. I think oftentimes you're like, man, i got to get to heaven. No, I don't care about heaven. I want to be around Jesus. He's the one who died for me. He's the one my identity is found in. So be careful of coveting. That is wanting what you don't have. Be careful of that. All of us are guilty of it. Also, be careful of comparing. It's the killer of joy. Stop comparing. It's, it's, it, it just does no good. Social media doesn't help. 
and it stills contentment with what you have. So if the Bible is correct, which I believe all of it is completely trustworthy and, and truthful, then we are prone to being selfish. We're prone to being greedy. We're prone to being, all right, God, you've given me this time, talent, and treasure. We're prone to being like, it's mine. <laughs> you know, insert evil laugh. That was terrible. But right? I mean, we're, it's mine. It's, I, I don't want to give my gifts away. I don't want to give my talent away. I don't want to give anything else away. But man, when you do that, when you live with open hands, letting go and letting God, when you take, take, when you get rid of all that stuff and you surrender it all to him, man, there is power in that. And he, could, he can use it. It's amazing to see like when you like, when you lose out on your planning, but yet you just rely on God's planning, man, he does, he's a better job at it. He's a better, he's a better planner. He's a better boss. He's a better leader. And he, he takes ultimate responsibility. That's who he is. And so I pray that we would not be a people that store up treasures in this world. Yes, it's okay. It's good to obviously provide, protect for your family and, and have those things to protect your family. But is that all that consumes you? Is your portfolio or your, your business, is all those different things consuming you when, when all the whole time we should have been focusing and being rich toward God? Are we content with what we have and don't have? Do we count everything as a blessing, the good, the bad, the ugly? So let's not store up things for ourselves, but rather be rich toward God, which means to treasure what God treasures. So this is not in your notes. Write this down. Write this down. You've got a pen right there. Write these down. If you're like, man, what does God treasure? I'm going to just tell you three. Um, this, this, this has helped me. Um, what, what are three things that, that God treasures and we ought to treasure? The first one is, and write down, not my, but my. So my relationship with him and others. He values that. He values a relationship with you. If you don't have one, man, begin that relationship. Submit, uh, ask the Lord to save you. Ask the Lord to take away the sin. He's the Savior. He's good at doing that. That's the first one. My relationship with, with Jesus is so important. And my relationship with others ought to flow from that relationship with Jesus. That's one thing he treasures. The next one is this. He has, a, he has a burden for lost souls. Number two, burden for lost souls. If you're not burdened for people who are lost, who don't know Jesus, man, that's a heart check right there. Is there something that's in you that's like, man, I don't even think about lost people. Man, God treasures that. We ought to treasure people who don't know Christ, and we have to talk about the people that we love. Side note. Some of you guys know this. I'm going to take the moment to say, I love fish tacos, okay? That's random. That's not in my notes. I love fish tacos, right? I talk about fish tacos. I'm going to talk about them now. I love fish tacos, right? If we're, we're going to talk about the things we love, we have to talk about Jesus. We love him. He loves us. We have to talk about him, right? Number three, uh, compassion for those that hurt. Compassion for those that hurt and are needy. He treasures that. He treasures, he has compassion for those who can't help themselves. He did that for us. So that ought to be our overflow. So let's be rich toward God, toward, God, toward good needs, toward, toward generosity. Those are things that are important. And so I pray that as we are a people that are rich toward God, that he would do a work in our lives like only he can. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Um, God, to be in your word, to speak. Uh, truth here. I know, I can imagine the people that uh, heard uh, this verse, these, the, the, these words coming out of 
Jesus's mouth in that moment um, were <laughs> were probably ha- sitting there like, "Man, I was not expecting that." As a as a gut punch, and I'm I'm sure even for us today, God, it's a gut punch to be thinking about, man, as a good reminder, where are our priorities? Where where is our mind and our heart at? And I pray that we would be a people that that take definite steps toward laying up treasures in heaven. God, help us to do that. It's not by our own strength, but it's by your strength. Remind us to direct our decisions toward eternal things rather than material, perishable things. Lord, we're not perfect. Nobody is, but you are. Help us to be more like Jesus. Thank you for using us for your purposes and your plan, and help us shine for you to illuminate for you. In Jesus' name, amen.